Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also from Dogs 24-7. And, hey, guys, uh, I think we might have we, – we did one of two things last week. We either undersold Georgia or we oversold Missouri because, you know, Missouri showed some fight, don't get me wrong, but Georgia goes in there and dominates. Both lines of scrimmage, 49-14, to 14, most balanced offensive game, best offensive game they've had all year. Um, I, you know, I didn't expect that. I think I had the most blowout score picked of any of us. Uh, I think Rusty probably ended up with player of the game, even though hey. the kick was right there. Hey. Again. No matter, no points for second. <laughs> but I tell you what, man, I tell you what, Kip, it's gotten to the point where if Kip says, I got this guy's player of the game, you just go ahead and expect him to play well at the very least. Ain't no you know? Doubt. Uh, you know, Kenny McIntosh got his first cut touchdown. I come in third with that one, but uh third out of three which is awesome but uh yeah so th that's the way it shakes down jt daniels 299 yards passing zamir white 10 yards of carry 126 yards on the ground george pickens another two touchdown game against missouri two games in his career against missouri two touchdowns in each game 126 yards receiving there uh he had a big game and uh the defense shut larry roundtree down and uh you know eric stokes got a pick to start the game and that was huge uh, let, let's talk about it, though, Rusty. And key sequence in that game, key play, key uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, series. Um, what what was that for you? Because that game didn't, like I said, nobody expected that to happen. Nobody expected Georgia to go in there and blow them out by 35 points. So you're 14-14. Obviously, you throw a touchdown pass to George Pickens, and, and the play he made right before half was a big deal. But I'll tell you, kind of the game within the game was Kirby Smart staring down a third and nine um, and really got nothing out of the first two plays. And JT Daniels completes a what well, 11-yard out route to, I believe, Kyrus Jackson uh, to extend that drive. And little plays like that allow you to score. So you went two for with – that, with that conversion – uh, with about a minute two, I think, with that conversion of that third down, it allowed you to score a touchdown, steal a possession, and score again to start the second half. So, you know, obviously George Pickens made a hell of a play, and and that was – and kudos to um, JT Daniels for just throwing it up to see if his guy can make a play. There's nothing wrong with that, and there's a lot of 50-50 balls that are made with, with athletes like George Pickens, his height, and those types of things, but – you know, just a little right read to know where he was single coverage to where he can move the chains. You just don't talk about little things like that within the game. I talk about it on high school football games on Friday night. I mean, some of these running backs pick up the blitz, allowing the quarterback to get one more second to deliver the ball for a big play. 
And to me, that was really a big play in that game because right after they converted uh, for the next four or five series, Georgia, they, they pretty much rolled. But don't don't discredit that play that Chris Pickens made right before the half. That was a tremendous ball skill touchdown where he just went up and made a freaking play. And and uh, lost in that play is another little nuance. That was a freebie. Uh, Georgia drew them sure, off sides sure. there. And uh, if that gets picked off, no big deal. Uh, it's going to be five yards, but you know that was big. And then the play before it, Rusty, where and I, I've I've got an X's and O's coming out later, where the play before it, where Jermaine Burton, the the savvy he showed on that play. I mean, you know, JT Daniels goes to him on a comeback route, and it's tightly covered. He throws it when he when JT Daniels throws the ball, the defensive back had his back turned, running with uh running with Jermaine Burton. And the defensive back plays it perfectly coming back, but then Jermaine Burton attacks the football, jumps into the into the defender to kind of keep him off the football, makes the play, stays on his feet, comes back upfield. I think he gets 16 yards on the play. Next play is a touchdown. It's it, not only that, just to get out of bounds. I mean, uh, you know, Jermaine Burton made a big play there. Kip, any play, any sequence that stood out to you as as integral to that win for Georgia? I, I was gonna point out what Rusty uh, discussed, but just right before that, uh, you know, Georgia's on defense. You know, they had, I think, three straight possessions. They had, had punted. I, I just remember Missouri having the ball right there, the goal line, right before the half, and Kirby called a timeout. And, you know, that's – everyone's talked about, you know, Kirby kind of – playing conservative when it's getting close to the the half and maybe leaving timeouts you know there on on the on the table but he took that timeout gave his his offense another possession i mean that kind of stood out to me just you know g giving his his offense another chance and it's just kind of you look at this game and early on in the game i was like Rusty and, and Jake are right. This this could be a battle. You know, this could be a battle for longer than what we thought. But it just shows you that all, what difference it makes when you have an offense that can be explosive. And I think Kirby understands that. And he knows that what he has on the roster here, not just in obviously JT Daniels, but in George Pickens and his running backs. And so I think, you know, he trusted that if he gave – you know, that offense, the ball, that they could put points on the board, and, and, you know, with a minute, with less than a minute. And sure enough, obviously, as you guys said, Georgia was able to pull off a 75-yard touchdown drive in like 40, 43 seconds. And it's incredible what happens when you can get the production Georgia got in the run game and then force that defense to start, you know, having to play some man coverage, you know, outside. And I think uh, JT obviously noticed that going up to the line of scrimmage and knew immediately he was going to, you know, throw that ball to Pickens. And so it's just those little things. You start to notice that Georgia has the makings for, uh, you know, an explosive offense. And they're showing it obviously here toward the end of the year. But I think this is the – the, these are the kind of signs that say that Georgia can do this consistently and not just against, you know, maybe the, the bottom half uh, of the SEC. Yeah, that's a good point, Kip. And another thing I'll point out, a couple things I'll point out about what you just brought up. Georgia didn't call a timeout after stopping Missouri on the first run. Also, 
credit to Latavius Brini for stopping that uh, jet sweep there. He was all over it, and they tried to hit Beatty on a little jet sweep, a little touch pass, whatever it was, and uh, he gets to stop. Georgia doesn't call the timeout there, lets some clock run, and then they call the timeout almost to the point like – at this, if you don't call it on first down, you say you maybe save yourself a timeout um, later on if, if Missouri gets into the end zone on the next play after the second play, like they did. But you also allow some clock to run to where you've got the choice as a coach that you you can run the ball if you don't, you know, if you take a sack on first down, then you can run the ball and make Missouri use some timeouts, and then Missouri doesn't end up with like a minute 45 to score. They've got closer to a minute, which is very helpful in that situation with no timeouts. Also, the aggressiveness to come out and throw it on first, second, and third down. We've seen so many times Georgia will go with the draw play on one of those, on one of those downs to kind of make some clock run because Kirby has said over and over again, yeah, you want to score right there. That's the number one goal. But the number two goal is to make sure that that the other team doesn't have enough uh, uh, time to to start something else. But but at the end of the day, third and nine, they they put the ball in the quarterback's hands. They put a lot of trust in them. And and I can't stay. You know, I'm with Rusty on that. That one was it'll get overlooked. No no Georgia fan will ever remember that play. Probably won't remember a lot of plays from this game because it wasn't particularly a, a super important game. But um, that that in and of itself, just that throw where it was at, the nice catch, Kiaris Jackson is good in the NFL. He gets both feet down. Um, I'm going to jump back to the second play of the game. And the reason I'm going to do that is because, you know, we find out afterward that, you know, we knew going into the game the conditions weren't going to be ideal. It was mist and rain all morning. Rusty, you sent us a text and you put this on the board that, you know, there was some – there was some – there was some sluggishness there. There was some sluggishness there with with guys getting. I mean, listen, at 11 a.m. local kickoff. These Georgia probably got up at like 5:30 in the morning for breakfast and things like that. Um, it was mist and rain, 40 degrees, winds, nasty weather. Um, wasn't you know as big of a deal as I think some people made it to be going into the game, but it still wasn't ideal, and, and it's tough to get going in that. Um, not a whole lot to play for. We find out after the game that Georgia's been doing its walkthroughs since arriving in Columbia in a strip mall because the hotel that they normally they use. Change, yeah, they had to change hotel to last-minute type deal. Right, yeah. The hotel they normally use when they go to Columbia was booked up. Another you know, side effect of, of the COVID cancellation postponement situ- stuff. Uh, and, and so all of that was kind of working against Georgia. And then Eric Stokes, right place, right time, makes a catch, twenty-three yard return, twenty-seven yard return, down to the uh, down to the Missouri three. George is able to run it six times, get in the end zone, build a lead right to start with. Ended up with a fourteen-point lead. You don't make a play like that, even if you go three and out, and and let's say the offense sputters or whatever. If you don't get some juice in your sideline that early, that second quarter run Missouri went on could have made the game fourteen nothing or 14-3. Instead, all it did was tie the game up, and then Georgia was able to grab the momentum back, and it never gave it back. And so I, I thought that one was was absolutely massive. And then another thing, JT Daniels did not have his best stuff. All right? Now, I he played really well, don't get me wrong. And I, I firmly expect, you know, fully expect there to be some people that kind of take issue with this because JT Daniels is in a honeymoon period as Georgia's quarterback. But he was a little off. He had a couple series where it seemed like he was trying to get the ball out of his hands. He got shook a little bit. But two things showed to me is, one, 
He was like a pitcher that goes out there without his best stuff. He made it work. You know, he went out there and and gave up a couple runs and walked a couple batters, you know, had under 60% completion percentage, but still put up 299 yards and three touchdowns. And he showed a lot of toughness, man, because he took some shots. They were coming after him whenever Georgia was running zone read stuff or RPO stuff, and they were hitting him anyway. And then they got him right before that block punt. I mean, they lit him up. And uh, for him to kind of bounce back like that, play, you know, play with some toughness there, you know, California boys and Pac-10, Pac-12 boys kind of get a little bit of get a little bit of flack for being soft and and surfer guys and all that stuff. But JT Daniels ain't that. I mean, he he showed that he's got some grit to him and and uh, he made it work whenever he wasn't on point on the money all game long. I mean, you know, you look at some of the passes he completed, tad bit over underthrown, maybe a tad bit overthrown. The the completion of Darnell Washington. You know, if he hits Darnell Washington in his stride, you're trying to tackle a refrigerator running full speed downfield. But he puts it up where his guys had a chance to go make a play, and uh, talked about it afterward. Uh, you know, when it, he he's got an agreement with George Pickens, is hey, I'll never overthrow you. You just make sure I don't throw a pick. And uh, th- those two kind of have that chemistry going there. And it's no, it's no coincidence that all of a sudden here in three games, George Pickens has 16 catches when he had 13, I believe it was, in the four games that he had played prior to that. Um, so it's 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 been a definite resurgence for him, and and uh, also like to point out George Pickens just kind of looked like he was having fun. You know, Georgia got the good side of the emotional George Pickens on Saturday, and uh, when he's kind of in that that sort of mindset and that mood, he's he's one of the better players in the SEC, maybe the entire country. Let's jump into a break here real quick because we got some recruiting talk on the second half of the show, and we're gonna go through the guys. That, that Georgia is in it for here on, you know, because Wednesday, early signing period, Georgia's going to bring in a lot of guys, going to get a lot of guys to sign on the dotted line and may even be able to add to this class a little bit with some guys who aren't currently on the commitment list. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, fellas, it's cut and dry, okay? Cut and dry. We're going to go through... Let's see, I've got five names here. I'm going to combine one name with another one just so we can kind of give everybody a little bit of an update on what's going on. But want to hear from both of you here. 
Mason Smith, Rusty, defensive lineman out of Louisiana. We know how hard it is to get guys out of there. Five-star prospect. What are you thinking here less than 48 hours before the early signing period? I have to believe it to see it. I just – I mean, Georgia is definitely recruiting this young man. Um, I, I think that, that Georgia is very much in this thing. But at the end of the day, when you sign that piece of paper, uh, that, that, that uh, letter of intent that you're going to leave Louisiana and come to Georgia – I'm going to have to see it. I'm just going to have to see it. I mean, and, and, and we, I say this all the time, there's no points for second. There's none. But Georgia has done a very, very good job here. Very good job here. And, um, you know, it's just for me, I, I just, I'm going to have to see it, man. And, and um, it's one I'm really interested in watching because I want to see what happens on Wednesday and see where he ends up. But, you know, I went back and watched some of his tape this morning. I, I, I challenge everybody here that's listening. If you haven't watched Mason Smith's huddle, go watch this big guy because this is another uh, just freaky, athletic, huge, you know, one or two per class like this. And I'm certainly feel like, Tra- you know, Trayvon Walker and, and, and those guys are, um, you know, doing a really good job. And you look at Jalen Carter, who I'm extremely high on. I still think Jalen Carter could be a very, very high draft pick. But you you add this guy into the fold, and that room becomes completely different than what it was three years ago. I mean, they would have some athletic, some athletic freaky dudes in that room. So I'll believe when I see it. Uh, but I will say that George has done a really, really good job, and they have invested a lot of time in this young man. And that's the way recruiting works if you don't get them. But uh, to get them, you have to, you have to recruit these kids hard, and they're certainly recruiting him very, very hard. Now, maybe if you're the type of person that's going to get real upset at missing out on a really good player, maybe you don't go watch Mason Smith's film because it's impressive. Uh, but if Georgia gets him, and it does kind of have the feel of, of maybe a recruitment, and, and listen, these, these things are not something you see coming from a mile or even a foot away, okay? But it's got the feel of a kind of a recruitment that maybe he's going to do something that you don't really expect because he's played it so close to the vest and he said so many times that he's, you know, maybe maybe it's one of those things you take him at his word because he's said a bunch of times he's not a lock to LSU or whatever. But I'm in Rusty's camp. Got to see it to believe it. It's tough to get a kid out of Louisiana that LSU really wants. And I think you mentioned it uh, in, in something you wrote here recently, Rusty, where Alabama's been able to do it a few times, but that's that's pretty much it. That's that's the only program that's been able to do it with guys like Cameron Robinson and and Devontae Smith and and a few others, Landon Collins. Um, but but it, it does have the feel of one that I don't know may go a way that you don't expect, but you almost have to see it to believe it. And and I think we're both in that camp. What what camp are you in, Rusty? What about George and Mason Smith? I'm going to assume you meant Kip and not Rusty, since you already heard from Rusty. I, you know, I I, I want to hear from one, I, I want Rusty. One to say name, what he that's said your again. one mess up name there for the for the for the pod, Jake. Uh, hey, I, I, it's it's like clockwork, dude. I'm Vern Lundquist at this point. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure they'd love to hear from Rusty again just to see if maybe he changes his mind. Because I think with Mason Smith, we've kind of said it throughout the cycle. Before we even knew that the coaches weren't going to be able to spend time in person uh, with recruits, that he was a guy that we couldn't see leaving the state. But if he was going to, you're going to have to get him on campus multiple times and just kind of build that relationship up. Georgia was able to 
you know, halfway get there. They're, they've been able to get them on campus multiple times. But, again, I think if we're looking at a recruit nationally that a school has been helped by the pandemic and just the, the dead period this year, I'm going to go with LSU and Mason Smith. Just, again, he already had a built-in relationship with the LSU coaching staff, that familiarity with the campus, you know, with the guys recruiting him there. That made it really difficult, you know, for Georgia to to kind of overcome that. I mean, they still have a chance to, and that's really what's impressive. That Georgia is not just in the top two, but we're sitting here discussing Mason Smith as being a potential surprise pull by Georgia in the early signing period when, again, no, he hasn't been able to spend any time with Georgia's coaching staff, you know, th- this year. And n- the visits there, you're able to spend time with if, – if other recruits just happen to be in town, you can you can hang out with them. But, I mean, not being able to see the facilities, not being able to have your family with you, you know, talking to the academic staff, checking out the facilities – the dorms, things like that. I mean, that's really, really just a, a, a challenge for an, you know, an out-of-state recruit. And so, in my opinion, I think that I'm still leaning toward LSU. But, I mean, just the fact that we're talking about this is impressive, in my opinion. I, I see him, in the end, uh, picking LSU. But if we're going to look at the maybe the big picture – in the in the era of the transfer portal and and being able to have uh you know a, if you're able to have a one-time transfer looking ahead i mean georgia has at least established itself as maybe a a landing spot for mason smith down the road i don't want to you know that's a, a can of worms that we're not really looking forward to as far as covering you know in the next couple of months just with the guys that are already in college rosters. But if I'm being real about this, I mean, that's still important. You know, if, if Georgia ends up being the number two, and as Rusty said, you don't really get anything for being number two, I think we are kind of entering the era where being number two could still have, you know, could still pay off in the end. So that's just, you know, that's a whole other discussion. But I think if Georgia – you know, has given him a lot to think about, then ultimately they've given him a lot to think about, not just for for this week, but just moving forward. So I I just think that's an intriguing, you know, aspect of what we now are looking at is got maybe all these guys have a second recruitment and, you know, whether you're for that or against that, you know, that's, that's another discussion. But I tip my cap to Georgia on his recruitment. That's as good as you can do for for not even being able to to see a recruit face-to-face. That's a good point, Kip. Uh, Finishing second might actually kind of mean something going forward with the one-time transfer thing. So I think that's something you definitely keep an eye on. Don't know what the SEC is going to do as far as that one-time transfer thing. The SEC can still block a guy from transferring within the conference. Uh, but but yeah, I do think that's that's a really actually good point. Um, all right, let's move on to Corey Foreman, nation's number one prospect, defensive end, outside linebacker. Georgia's been all over him. Georgia's recruited him as hard as anybody. Rusty, where does Georgia stand? Uh, again, I think in a in a pretty good spot here that to put himself in this. He's made visits to Georgia uh, over the last nine months, and uh, with some speculation, he might be in Athens this weekend. 
We were unable to confirm it at this time. Uh, others are saying that he is there, but we have been unable to confirm that as far as dogs 247. So if that is the case, then that tells me that Georgia's way, way in this thing. But from what I've heard, probably the last 10 days has been some Clemson buzz. Uh, this morning, maybe some USC buzz. So, again, this this is a young man that's across the country. We've talked to him once or twice. You know, we've got our guys, Greg Biggins and those guys on the West Coast are doing a really, really good job with this. But this is the time of year when these kids, man, they they either shut it down or they're just putting out a little bit of information they want you to lean one way with. Uh, so, again, Georgia's done a very good job here to get in this thing at the end. If I'm leaning today, probably he doesn't end up in this class, uh, but but we'll see. Um, you know, this this could go either way. I think Clemson probably feels pretty good. I think Georgia's definitely, if they were able to get him on campus, if that did happen, who knows? Um, that would change things for me. But if they didn't get him on campus, and uh, and what we're hearing is right, I would probably lean he ends up somewhere else in this class. All right, Kip, what, what, where do you stand on Corey Foreman? Well, there's a there's a little bit of, I guess, added drama with his recruitment, not just because he's the top player in the country, but uh, he's not announcing on Wednesday. So is he signing on Wednesday? You know, that's pro- – I mean, that could be likely, but maybe he announces – because he's going to announce on January 2nd. If he signs on Wednesday, you know, I guess – I would probably lean toward USC. That's, I mean, just staying close to home is, I guess, maybe the the easier way for me to go out. But if they're having a little bit of, you know, trying to get a little bit of momentum for that program out there, I, I could see him just staying close to home. If he did, you know, if he was in Athens over the weekend, I mean, that can't, that can't be anything but but good news for Georgia if it did happen. Obviously, like we said, we we haven't confirmed it, so I'm operating under the pretense that he did not visit. I I think that I would give the Trojans a slight edge in the end, but it's a recruitment that's had countless twists. And like I said, if he's if he's not signing during the early signing period and he's just announcing a verbal commitment on January second then there could be further twists in this recruitment. I mean, they're over the next couple of weeks. But if he's announcing on Wednesday, then, I, I mean, again, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a very down-to-the-wire race, in my opinion. And I think that whoever talks to Corey Foreman last <laughs> could be the program that gets him if he's actually signing on Wednesday. So I, I think there's still some recruiting left to be done for him. I don't think it's a situation where – He's locked in with a program. And so, you know, I, I just think it's one of those where there's still twists and turns left to be done. I'll just give the edge to the USC right now, and, and we'll kind of see if uh, if maybe he went – you know, if he did visit anywhere else or if there's other twists still to happen in his recruitment. Another guy where that point you brought up a minute ago, recruiting him hard, staying in good graces and, and building relationships could pay off down the road with this one-time transfer thing. All right, th- this this next guy is, to me, the most important guy left on Georgia's board. Okay, Xavier Sori, uh, five-star linebacker out of IMG Academy in Florida. Uh, he, he can play inside. He can play outside. He, he's a really good football player, evidenced by the fact that, that he is so highly ranked. 
and it uh, seems like Georgia's in a pretty good spot here. And, and Rusty, I'm going to ask you about Sori, but I also want you to throw in a nugget there on Elijah Judy as well, a one-time Georgia commitment. And since he plays outside linebacker, I want to go ahead and get this covered as well, what you kind of expect from him, but Sori and Judy. Uh, Judy's announcing as well. Same time, I think, as Forum, uh, Corey Foreman on the um, NBC part on the second. But I, I, right now, I, I certainly lean heavily toward Texas A&M for him. Um, you know, one time Georgia commit, and Georgia recruited him back, tried to get him back a little bit, um, and you know he ends up Texas A and M, um, and so there's that. But Xavier Sori's a guy was at Florida this weekend. Uh, we have confirmed he was at Georgia for the Mississippi State game, and not sure he kind of put that out, but he has, he was went to Florida. He's been to Florida twice in the past month or last six weeks, so. Uh, you know, Alabama's kind of involved in that, too. I uh, was just texting with Tim Watts, our Bama uh, online insider. And, and we both feel comparing notes from, from everything we hear. I know Blake Alderman, our Florida uh, recruiting reporter, contacts me a lot. We try to compare notes as well here. But everything I'm hearing from a couple of different circles sounds like it's Georgia for him. You know, he's a – it's a big-time prospect. He's a, here's a kid that can play multiple positions. We talk about pass rush and, and those types of things. You know, he could particularly he, he might be able to slide out and play a lot on the edge as well and rush the passer. So, you know, he's a very versatile guy, and he's a guy that uh, Georgia has recruited extremely hard. I remember uh, Kirby Smart and Glenn Schumann, I believe Sori told me they were down. They were at a basketball game in January, uh, so they used one of their one of their deals to go visit him. Uh, back when that sounds like i mean that does that not seem like three years ago when coaches were at schools and stuff like last that? decade it's insane to think that kirby smart and glenn Schumann were at a high school in a crowd watching a basketball game but uh, i remember story put on the show a couple of dunks and all that kind of stuff this is a guy they 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 targeted early and often and and you know he made the move uh down to img and uh, lavoisier carroll being around him certainly didn't hurt things that they wind up getting him and so um, Marlon Dean, those guys. So we'll see. But right now, I feel like um, Judy's going to end up at Texas A&M. And as of Monday, I would say Georgia will have Xavier Sori in their class. All right, Kip, Xavier Sori. Let me let me hear what you got. I just remember, yeah, writing about them visiting him in January and multiple times, like you guys said. It just feels like I, I, I wrote that article years ago, um, but. Yeah, Georgia was able to get him in in that last weekend uh, before the recruiting dead period began. They were able to get him on, you know, back on campus. And I think that just their development at the linebacker position has been something that caught his eye early on and really gave them, you know, a, a, real, a pretty good spot in his recruitment. And I think that, you know, Glenn Schumann and Dan Lanning and Scott Cochran, I mean, they've all just – work together with Kirby Smart to make sure he's a priority. And in the end, I think it's uh, it's really, really positioned Georgia well to, to land him. I, there's been a couple twists in his recruitment as far as just maybe who people thought the leader was. I think, you know, Alabama really had a shot in there, and I think that they did a good job recruiting him. Uh, Sal Sinceri had a very long-standing relationship with him throughout the process. But momentum has kind of swung Georgia's way, making it a Georgia-Florida battle. 
Uh, I think Florida was the first to offer him when he was a freshman. So that, I mean, they had a, a long relationship as well. Has some people in his family that really like Florida, but down the stretch, I mean, Georgia kind of got, you know, was known as the, probably the clubhouse leader and didn't, didn't really hold up in the recruitment of him. So I think it's a, you're looking at Georgia's class in a whole adding story to the class probably gives them a pretty strong leg up and, and having a top three class, having that number three class. And I think that's where Georgia's class overall will be when all is said and done is that number three class, regardless of, you know, maybe who else they add. I think that number three spot, they're going to solidify that during the early signing period. And I think, again, that's, that's a pretty good haul for Kirby Smart and his, his coaching staff. That brings us to Donovan Edwards, running back out of Michigan. Real high on this kid. Comparisons to Alvin Kamara, those are lofty. But uh, where where are where does what are George's chances here coming into the stretch here, Rusty, with with Donovan Edwards? I learn every year, sometimes right, sometimes wrong, on what sources I could trust with things, and you know, a source that's been good to me in the past with some other players is telling me that Georgia's Georgia's in this thing. Like Georgia has a good shot of signing him. Now, unable to take visits, all the craziness that comes with this, uh, the Zooms, you know, he may not end up at Georgia. But I'll tell you this, if he does, I'll have a good behind the scenes because he's got he's got some pivotal people around him that are very high on Georgia. So we'll see if that was the right decision makers, that type of thing. Um, Notre Dame, you know, obviously Michigan involved, heard a little bit about Alabama, was trying to compare notes with Tim Watts this morning. Maybe they're a little bit outside looking in, but, um, you know, Garland is a very, very talented guy. And I don't know that Georgia – do or die about having another running back, but this guy is they've been on him from day one. So he has been a take for them. It's a guy that Dell McKee has locked in on day one in this cycle. So it's kind of weird, man. You know, normally he'd come down for an official visit after the season, you know, get to see it. We'd have a little bit of vibe of what he liked, what he didn't, what we're hearing, but not the case, man. I mean, this has been um you know, certainly one he's in the state of Michigan where I believe their season got shut down. Now it's postponed and not going to play, you know, maybe till like May or something. I heard something crazy going to play at the end of April, uh, five games or something. Who knows? But this is definitely one that, that Georgia could get. But, it, you know, it's kind of hard to, to to predict this time he's in that lockdown mode where he's not saying much. So, uh, I do know that Georgia, privately for him, is a team that he really, really likes. So we'll see how much on Wednesday. All right, Kip, Donovan Edwards, what you got? This one is the one where if i betting on Kirby Smart having an early signing, day, uh, early signing period surprise, and, I mean, he typically does every, every cycle. We have one guy that he'll pull that, kind of comes out of left field at least maybe according to the crystal ball this it's definitely donovan edwards i I just think that you know he he, yes he hasn't been to georgia since you know his very early visit before the recruiting dead period but you know georgia's been able to do that before you know i mean they 
they're able to pull Dewan Mathis almost, you know, sight unseen. I mean, he camped there, and, and they're able to pull him at the last minute. Donovan's kind of similar in a, in a that he is a guy that Del McGee has made a priority throughout the cycle. Their relationship is very strong, and. I mean, I think you just look at the production Georgia's had at the position, and and even this year. I mean, just each guy uh, averaging seven yards a carry over over the weekend. The running backs have been able to perform really well, and and kind of showcase for Del McGee that if you come to Georgia, you're gonna you're gonna ha- you know do pretty well. So I think when all is said and done, I kind of like where Georgia sits with him, and I think if I'm kind of projecting early signing period right now, uh, I, I'd lean toward. Him and Xavier and Sori being in the class, and then you know maybe one other guy, maybe a wide receiver like uh, Jimmy Horn Jr., a guy that they really like at the slot position down in Florida that's emerged this year in Sanford, Florida, Seminole High School. Uh, that could be Georgia's class when all is said and done, and that'd be a really strong pull if Kirby's able to pull that off. Rusty, real quick, what's your thoughts on Jimmy Horn? I really like this kid's tape. I mean, he's kind of got a little bit of Isaiah McKenzie almost to him. He's a small guy, but he's really, really fast, really twitchy. Uh, you know, I, I assume you probably, you know, are impressed with him as well. And, and George obviously is sending him a late offer. But what are the chances that he may end up in this class? It's been one of those I like to sit in a room with Cortez Hankton and, and Kirby Smart and say, y'all, y'all got us. Y'all, y'all hid one out for a while because after talking to the coach down there, he said, Hey man, they've been, they've been calling about him since, you know, about mid October. So they knew about him. And once he started having those performances into the playoffs, that starts getting more attention, those types of things. So, um, he very well could end up in this class, you know, numbers wise, I don't know how it's going to work. Um, but very well could end up, I mean, he's in a, 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 and kind of a slot guy, athletic guy that, you know, they're looking to have opposite of who they're bringing in this class, you know, with some bigger, taller guys. So uh, he kind of fits a different mold there, you know, punt returner, kick returner, those type of things. So, um, you know, one of the ones that, that, that people always scratch their head about. And again, you know, we were sitting here four or five years ago when they announced Eric Stokes at seven o'clock that morning. And people were like, what happened? Who do we miss on? Well, Eric Stokes is probably going to be the number one probably the number one player drafted for the University of Georgia this year at some point. So sometimes you trust the judgment of those guys that get paid a lot of money for decisions like this, and we just kind of try to catch up on the news when it happens. I wasn't sitting here when they announced Eric Stokes. I was off the side of the road off 316 <laughs> coming into Athens yeah. trying Seven to lock, get my hot spot going. Seven o'clock uh, in the morning. Because I just didn't think it was going to happen that early. I'm headed up to Butts Mirror. They give us free Chick-fil-A. On, on National Signing Day whenever uh, whenever we're able to be there in person. So I'm headed up there to get my biscuits and uh, and cover National Signing Day and do the press conference and everything. And dude pops through at 7 a.m. And yep. uh, little did we know, little did we know, uh, Eric Stokes is going to turn out like he has because he's been a heck of a player for Georgia and, and you know, brought don't him up at the beginning of the know, show making that play. Don't you know, Matt, Luke probably had a word or two about him when he got here like, hey, dude. I bet he did. He committed on us there at the end. I still got to coach you. Yeah, I bet. I bet you, you, the word "sheepish" uh, is is perfectly used there. I bet when Eric Stokes had to answer that question because he's uh he's one of the most humble, easygoing dudes out there. Uh, but I guarantee you, he probably didn't look Matt Luke in the eye if Luke had if Luke even acted a little bit serious about that because that's just kind of not the way he goes about his business. But yeah, that was a that was a fun one, and I think I probably 
fired up the car truck and got about a few more miles down the road before uh, Latavius Brini or somebody else came in uh, real early that morning had to stop write another story. So uh, national signing day or early signing day, always fun, always dramatic. A lot goes on. Um, we can't predict the surprises for you or they wouldn't be surprises. They surprise us. They surprise y'all. And uh, we'll see if Georgia has any in store for you on Wednesday. It'll get started early. It'll go all day. And come see us over at dogs247.com. Uh, 60% off a year-long uh, VIP pass. That's, uh, that's a little over seven months for free. I know you can't do fraction of months, but $3.48 a month is what it comes out to, 60% off, and we'd love to have you. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place, and you all take it easy. Mm-hmm.